0: I'm Adam Wainwright. And I'm Ed Kennard. And we're the hosts of The Greatest Song Ever Sung Poorly, the podcast that takes karaoke exactly as seriously as it should be taken. No interview was complete without our quick fire game where we ask everyone the same five questions, culminating in the most important question we could ever ask. If you could magically strike one song from every karaoke playlist forever, which song would you choose?
1: Don't Stop believin'.
0: Oh, Ice Ice Baby. Great, just cause that song needs to be destroyed for all time.
1: Easy Lover by Phil Collins.
0: I think Picture. Picture is just a song of love and heartbreak. Uh, and it just, it ruins nights.
1: I want to say Sweet Caroline. Probably My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion.
0: Only one? Only one. Um, can, I, can I pick one band? So hey, if you love karaoke, have sang karaoke, been in a place where karaoke was happening, or are vaguely aware that something called karaoke
1: exists, come hang out with us. All episodes and info are available at sungpoorly.com. And remember that singing off key is still technically singing.
0: I can't believe it, but we are at the finale of Ms. Marvel, and boy, was this a finale. I laughed, I cried, I screamed, I jumped off the couch. It was it was a big one, and there's a lot to talk about. As always, Katie, why don't you kick us off with your thoughts? Well, I will say, I
1: started, no, I ended the blog post last week with saying I needed this finale to be something because the last two episodes this show sort of lost me I was really into it up until then and I needed the finale to to try and close it out because if it didn't I think I would have been really upset with how this show ended up going and boy did it deliver I I mean Taylor and I literally just said to each other that if it is not well personally I will argue that it's not the best ending of the shows just because I will stand by the Falcon and the Winter Soldier but to me it is 100% the second best ending and finale to any of the shows that have come out so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, to echo your thoughts, 100%, we are totally coming from the same place. You know, I too was really, really enjoying this show in episodes one through three, and I enjoyed four and five. But it was, to your point, kind of frustrating to put the main, and we talked about this at length, but to put the main plot thread on hold. And I think-
1: I mean, there's almost just a lack of continuity because of it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, this what this finale really showed us was that the Department of Damage Control really was the whole point anyway. So if we were just going to end up back here, like I understand you had to find a way to give Kamran his powers and all that. And the episodes four and five had their own merit in their own way. They were beautiful. And they were, you know, we talked a lot about the historical aspect of it and how cool that was. But at the same time, there is going to always be that part of me that's like, okay, but it really took away from the larger plot that we were trying to work towards. With all that being said, episode six, totally in my mind, made up for that. It really brought it all home. It was so action packed. I loved the scenes in the high school. Oh my god, those were so well done. They were so funny. I love them. I have so much to say. Oh my gosh. Start. Let's start with the high school because I feel like that is one of my favorite parts of the episode. Well, I, okay, so every episode I take notes. I'm not going
1: to lie, episodes four and five, they were the driest notes to exist because I just didn't even know, you know, half the episode I'm sitting there and I'm like, I need to, I feel like I should be writing something down, but there's just not something to write down, but I have such a long list of notes and inside of all of it. I just have, I love that they're like home aloning this yes. because that was immediately what went through my head was here they are. First off, I also have the notes of, I love her family and how supportive they are. Absolutely. That was so important. So I love that
0: scene. It almost made me tear up a little bit because, you know, the first three episodes really set her in almost in opposition with her family and especially her mother. And in that way, you know, as much as we... May say that the Pakistan-centered episodes, being four and five, you know, really don't have a lot to do with the main plot, which is true. It really did do a lot to further her relationships, especially and most notably with her mother, who is now her biggest fan. And I think that's really awesome. Well, that's why, to me, that's why I said I needed episode
1: six to really hit it out of the park. Because if episode six, she went back to Jersey City and we kind of just moved on from there that would have been me sitting there like why did you waste my time then cuz that's what 4 and 5 would have felt like but they did a really good job with incorporating what she learned in Pakistan and what we saw in those episodes so because of that it just made everything feel so much more cohesive it was like maybe at the time we didn't feel what was going on and we felt like suddenly we were on the other side of the planet which we literally were but like <laughs> but it just felt so different but thankfully this episode brought it all back together but honestly I just I love the supportiveness of her family I love that her mom's the one who got her her costume
0: I think that is amazing that also okay I may be a little emotional again this week guys but that scene where she her mom brings her the the thing and ties the scarf around her neck I was like oh my god, I started like tearing up. And I also just got so excited to see her in it, you know, because it's so comic accurate. And I was like, oh my god, it's coming. Well,
1: exactly. So, and the reason I bring this all up was because this obviously bleeds then into the high school scene where we 100% were obviously going to see Bruno take her side and be there for her. He's been there throughout the whole thing. I love seeing Nakia, you know, their friendship is so pure and I think it's so healthy for them to both just sit there and be like, okay, you know, this happened, but we're okay, let's move forward. We got this, we support each other. And that's all that matters. And then, you know, we even had like the late player of Zoe come on in and was like, I got you guys. Don't worry. And then her brother just showing up out of nowhere is what got it for me. I I was like, here's this holy married man, (laughs) just like, think I don't know how to break into the school I was a kid once too I got you
0: I love her relationship with her brother I think in so many ways it reminds me of us (laughs) (laughs) like especially when like her parents and she like you know is telling her parents quote-unquote that she's nightlight and then you know she's like okay well you guys obviously all already know and he's like so tell me did you mean to drop that kid I was like oh my god that's literally Caitlin (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not gonna deny it, but
1: <laughs> I mean, and even then, like I had to laugh. We're in the high school, like during the high school scene as they're getting ready, and she calls Kareem, and my my comment just straight up is like, let collecting boys like the Infinity Stones. <laughs> <Like>, what is <laughs> happening? I'm I not- I adored it. I just it brought back that super teenagey feel that the first few episodes had, where you just were like. I'm, I know I'm watching a superhero show, but here I am just like relating to them on a dumb little level of like, this is awesome. Like I'm having the time of
0: my life watching this. No, it's so funny. Like just the type of stuff that we used to watch, like when we were growing up to like the super angsty teen dramas. Someone say Degrassi. (laughs) The fact that the vibes are so immaculately tied to those. I mean, I was just like living for it. Also, to your point, I didn't really think about it or like put it all together, but she now has three guys on the hook, two of which are now living together in Pakistan. And I'm just, I love Kamala Khan. She is a hero
1: to us all. Well, because I was super after last episode was super worried they were writing off Kareem and the Red Daggers. So I'm really that is something I really am happy that they they continued into this and you know there's going to be a future there no matter where this goes cuz i know we don't really need to discuss much of at least her future in general because we already always knew where that was going to be but at least like on her personal side we know there's going to be a future somewhere so i'm i'm ecstatic about that but i'm like sitting there and as soon as she calls him up i'm like my god no, and Kamala <laughs> and Kareem? Like, I was like, dang, girl! Kamala Khan, hero to all women. Yeah, I mean, she really is out here. She's halfway.
0: Thanos had <laughs> nothing on her, like... I love it. But yeah, the high school scene, so fun. I love that they shot them with the pitch machines in softball because <laughs> as two girls who grew up playing softball, we can both attest to the fact that those suckers really freaking hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they hurt a lot. We've both been hit. Oh, yeah. Not fun. Mm-hmm. I also, I really want to talk about the community aspect. I loved so much how Zoe was able to mobilize the community to support Kamala and then how they... Both did it you know by documenting what was happening at the school, physically protecting her at the end. I just thought that community element you know really moved me and just was so beautiful. I, I thought the way that she was embraced by her community and they supported her and that was really awesome and I think you know if we're gonna compare her to some of the larger Avengers, the only one who has an even remotely similar relationship with their neighborhood, is Spider-Man. And I know we've made that parallel so many times, not just because they're similar ages, but even before, you know, we talked about how before No Way Home, she and Peter kind of had similar even personalities. But I think another element now that we've really seen, especially in episode six, is the way that they are embraced by their community, because they're not worried about these large global threats, but really the safety, security, and, you know, just General well being of their community. And I thought that was really cool.
1: No, I I definitely, and I pinned that as well. And I think for me personally, I think back to our predictions episode where we even spoke a lot about how she's known to really be the main defender of Jersey City. Mm -hmm. Like when everything else is kind of going up into smoke, she's protecting her neighborhood and where she's from. That is her place to be. And so I really thought this was a powerful way of almost them saying thanks to her. And showing how that's a mutual relationship where, you know, in the comics, she's very much a Jersey City native and, you know, she's going to defend her home turf. I mean, for Spider-Man, it's a little different. I mean, he's in Queens, but he's like, well, not anymore. But he was in Queens swinging around Manhattan kind of thing versus, you know, for her, this is really are is where she grew up. These are the people she grew up with. And so I thought it was just a really powerful moment to have them all coming in and defending her. But honestly, and I know we'll get directly into Comron and we'll get directly into the DODC, but that scene altogether, where they're all watching them like bat her around, I, I even just wrote, I was like, dang, in front of her parents and everyone, like, yeah, that was I, I actually that was one of the moments there were there were two or three moments where my mouth genuinely dropped in shock, and that was one of them because we see so many superhero fights that are just like you know they're they're just batting them around half the time they don't really bother to show the people or the people are running away which naturally i i would get but we don't really see them standing there and and watching as much actively watching And i mean these were her people these are the people who have i mean literally her parents were there raised her but also the people who have been around her her whole life so like for them to watch you know these these agents just go after her so violently I, I just was genuinely and just like almost silent
0: like shock yeah I mean the shift in intensity was I mean I enjoyed it but it was very jarring so I don't want to make it seem like I was like oh it's jarring but like in the sense that like I was not expecting Ms. Marvel to get that intense but to your point there were a couple of scenes like when they first shoot her with the sonic bomb thing with that subwoofer thing I was like that's exactly what I was thinking of yeah like holy crap she flies over the car she's clearly concussed like it's all in slow motion it's very intense I enjoyed it so much because I was like wow like this is getting really deep and like there's just so much to it and I was like I I don't even have words for it. I was I really enjoyed that part just because it was so yeah. intense and there was a lot of like weight and gravity to it that like I said I was not expecting that level in this show. Well, and not to mention that comes off of this. I I
1: don't even know what to necessarily call it, but just super fun scene, pretty much of all of them running around this high school. Like I said, home aloning, pretty much the DODC agents and sitting there and well and on the other underside you know totally committing crimes but <laughs> which was like in the back of my mind that whole time I was like oh this is like criminal but um <laughs> you know we come off of this we have like a soundtrack to it and everything yeah we're just seeing all of this going on and it's like oh you know this is freaking awesome and then the next thing you know it's like such a a change in tone and the darkness really sets into you know, how bad the DODC can be in that. And so, in all honesty, let's get right into them. Yeah. So they've technically been a threat the whole time. We took a little vacation with the djinn. I know we had some feelings about that because while it does make sense for them to be the final threat, at least in the long run of the series, not necessarily as a personal feeling <laughs> for me. Per- like, I don't necessarily feel that it made sense. I will say, you know, this was... This was well done. This made the stakes feel high enough. I think they were just playing at such a low ball for the entire rest of the series, maybe with the exception of Episode 2 when they went after her with the Stark drones. Because they put the gin in front, I understand the point of the gin Now I'm looking at them as a plot device. Yeah. That's really what I feel they were. It, It was a little weird, but... I and I you know for those of you who are on like TikTok you'll get this cuz I literally wrote the girls are fighting when the DODC agents were going after and the one was telling the the woman I don't remember their names but he he was like that's an order like you're not to go out like this is bad press you are not to go after them. And she went after them anyway. And I was like, oh, the girls are fighting. <laughs> this is not good.
0: Yeah, no, I actually thought that was really interesting too, because, you know, the way that that was done, it showed kind of a rift within even the DODC. So I think we kind of thought, and I don't know that we verbalized it, but I know it we saw in my head, that the agent who was kind of a holdover, the guy who was basically in No Way Home, was kind of the more gung-ho agent, at least that's the way way he was kind of painted in my opinion at the beginning. Yeah. Not that she obviously wasn't enthusiastic about the mission, but I don't think she ever really struck me as kind of like overly enthusiastic, so I thought it was an interesting play then to have him kind of be the voice of reason, because we've seen him go after Spider-Man and have her be the agent who goes rogue. But I also think it's worth noting then that because he did not break protocol and was not the reason that this happened, he's fair game to be in future properties. And I don't think we've seen the last of him. And so I just think that's also worth noting.
1: Oh, 100%. And that's why I mean, I don't know if we discussed it in the podcast last week, but I definitely kind of mentioned it briefly in the blog that if they did end up being the the final villain of this series or season, because who knows, you know, unless they're confirmed to only be like Wandavision, which was a small little like mini series, we could always get a second season. But you know, I think what comes down to it is, I even was saying, you know, I'm worried that if they do, you know, is that going to be the end of them? Because now we finally got such a good look at them more than what we did. In No Way Home. And I mean, to be fair, I think I mentioned before, they've been around a lot longer than we realized. They've just been a much smaller entity, haven't played a big part that we know of, at least on our screens, they now are. So I I just, I didn't really expect them to completely disappear after this. So I definitely liked how this went. I think it made a lot of sense and kept that option open. But I also, like, I even was sitting here by the end Not believing that I actually liked the guy from the DODC once he fired her. I was like, how did they make him, of all people, somewhat likable? Like, what? I know, as soon as he fired her, I was like, dang, yeah, you go, man. (laughs) I know, I was like, why am I rooting for this awful person? Yeah, so, I I think it was very well done. Something I want to point out, though, is their weapons. Yeah. Because... That immediately caught my attention.
0: They were glowing a funky color. And I thought two different things. My first thought was, did they take more than the drones from the Stark laboratory or warehouse? Because they reminded me a lot of the arc Reactor. But then I took a step back and I thought Well, to they myself, make the
1: noise Iron Man makes. The
0: when he's like- Oh, I didn't notice that. Firing up.
1: Sorry to the listeners because that could be really annoying if you had headphones in.
0: <laughs> sorry guys I'm not gonna edit it out though because it doesn't make sense without it, yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> this whole conversation does not make sense without that annoying little noise guys so she won't do it again we promise <laughs> but my second thought was you know what do they have in their arsenal from things that they maybe damage controlled like the Chitauri, because all I could think about- No,
1: I immediately thought of that. That wasn't even a question in my mind. I was like, oh, they're using alien weapons. Yeah. I thought of that the second episode already.
0: My, yes, yes, for sure. But my thought with these guns specifically that they were using was, okay, they're blue. And that color blue just reminds me of Tony it reminded me of that immediately, just visually, but then I was like, wait a minute, no, they have a ton of Chitari stuff, and as we can see, like, it doesn't always need to be, like, the purple that it comes out as, because look at all the different things that the Vulture and his team were able to make it into, so they've clearly, we'll say, repurposed the things that they were able to salvage from the wreckage of It's funny because I'm watching The Defenders, and The Defenders, they call it The Incident, but basically Loki's invasion of New York. But at the same time, bringing up the vulture, how does this make them any different? They're not. Well, it it certainly doesn't. And I think we even see that down
1: to, and I have this written too, because the scene genuinely made me very angry, when she storms into the mosque again. Yeah. And they do, I think it's Nakia who says about you know, it doesn't matter if you're in a place of worship or whatever, like they have a, a Bruno and, and her have an interaction. But then they later on in the scene right after storm in. And it just made me extremely angry because I think we see so many times how places of worship are supposed to be technically a sacred place and safe from the law. Anybody who takes up residence there or seeks shelter, like they, they literally cannot go in there. And it just made me extremely angry that scene because my brain kind of split into two places and it was like, wow, you're so disrespectful to a place of worship. And then my other side of my brain was like, I hope it's not because of the type of place of worship, and it's truly because they're so just disrespectful. And those were kind of the two places my brain went because I was just like genuinely so angry by that. But that just shows you the kind of people that clearly are working at this department.
0: But yeah, and I think that that brings up a couple of interesting points. You know, Nakia was so, she didn't beat around the bush when she said to Bruno, because he brought up the point, well, we should be safe here, it's a place of worship. But she doesn't just say, yeah, they don't care about places of worship. She specifically says, this is a mosque. We're under surveillance from the cops, the government. Heck, our utilities probably have us under surveillance. So I definitely do think that they're probably disrespectful to any place of worship if it's in their way, so to speak, to get what they want. But I have to think that they're probably even less worried about what the optics look like. Because it is a mosque, because to Nakia's point, there is a tradition of having them under surveillance and not really respecting the rights of, you know, the worshippers there or the rights of the place of worship. So I thought that was like very interesting. And it also kind of ties into a thought I was having, you know, we talked about how the people were viewing what the Department of Damage Control was doing to Kamala and basically just like beating the crap out of her. And I kept thinking, you know, it was very reminiscent of like, when there's, you know, a government entity or a police attacking a minority, someone of a minority background, how people are, you know, documenting those experiences. And that's what it reminded me of, you know, the idea that like, this is wrong. We have to hold these people accountable. We have to be witnesses. And that's what I think her community was doing, bearing witness, but also gathering the proof to say These people abused her, not just because they say she's an enhanced individual, but there is an element of the fact that she is someone who is a brown individual, who is from a Muslim family, all of these things. They clocked that this was a Muslim person from the very beginning. That's why they were in a mosque in like episode two. I
1: mean, didn't I say that? I brought that attention immediately because, you know, they, and that's why I kind of said, you know, I wondered at the time if they knew about the bangle because they also knew immediately where to look. Yeah. And where to start surveying. And so, no, I definitely, I, I saw and I can understand that connection for sure. And I, I just thought it was so interesting because when you do it in comparison to a lot of the other heroes, you don't see this. Right. Especially because, I mean, I mean, okay, let's take Captain America, the Winter Soldier, as an example. I mean, Cap quite literally goes up against an entire government agency himself. Yeah. But he, whether we want to look at it as for what it is, at the end of the day, yeah, okay, it takes a couple blows, but he's Captain America, you know? I mean, he's he's a symbol, right? Like, you you look at that government entity and you're like, well, they're bad, they're corrupt. But I, the, the tone to this in Ms. Marvel was so different. And all I saw there was not, okay, well, she's an enhanced individual and they're a government agency. I'm seeing a group of people literally beating up a teenage girl Yeah, in the streets uh, in front of her high school. So, you know, like, it, you see such a different kind of view from it. And so to, it, it was a very powerful message, I think. And, you know, the show's given us quite a few very powerful messages throughout all of it. And I think this was just one of them. I thoroughly enjoyed being able to kind of see that depicted and I think you know there are going to be be people who don't like seeing it because it's everyday life and not everybody wants to see it that's fine that was why people didn't like the Falcon and Winter Soldier I get it but I thought it was really powerful
0: yeah no I agree I think any time that Marvel is able to bring in real life issues I think to me it adds an extra layer of meaning obviously we all know that this is fiction but the comics were so unafraid to go there. And so it gives me a lot of hope when I see the movies and the shows unafraid to hold truth to power and say, this is a government organization. They've taken advantage of their power, they've abused their power, and now they're attacking a young girl. Like this is wrong. And being able to say that and unabashedly, it's very clear, they don't Eat around the bush they don't say there's a gray area yeah one is right and one is wrong and to me I really enjoy when they're able to say that and do that and make a statement I'm just so happy in a nutshell that they went there I loved that
1: yeah no I definitely I, I really did I thought it was extremely powerful and like I said I compare it so much to the Falcon and Winter Soldier because I think we had a lot of great moments in that as well oh yeah and they are what stick with you I mean politely i can watch and this is not me just dragging on loki because i drag on loki but i could watch loki and i did watch loki and yeah there are things i remember but they're just like big moments in the thing like oh the multiverse was open okay that's a big thing or like i remember the salad discussion only because i've seen memes about it like i I, that is why i remember that versus there are so many things i remember about the falcon and winter soldier specifically especially the incident in the street with the police mm-hmm. when they were trying to initially, you know, well, Bucky was sort of under arrest, but of course there was an interaction with Sam. And then, which I think is funny that Bucky was under arrest. <laughs> Just goes to show. Yeah, but I, but I also think wholeheartedly of Sam's speech
0: Yeah, at absolutely. the end.
1: And, you know, those are super powerful moments that I think help define the direction in which we're seeing Marvel go. I and mean, when that there are less... Worried about where they're going to step because they have, you know, people who are here and they'll support them. And we want to see these stories played on the big screen because we want to relate to our stories that we're in love with. But it it was a great moment and I, I loved it. Not to turn it all around, but I do. One last thing in this whole little section of the show. The sampling of the Avengers theme song when she was fighting was amazing because it wasn't quite the theme song. But it was all the keys and all the notes just a little jumbled out of place so that you could hear she was like, not quite an Avenger, but she's like, kind of there. And I love it. I was like, that's just the icing on the cake.
0: <laughs> Speaking of the music, the fact that not once did she actually do the real Avengers theme in her show, yeah. you know, when they're doing the opening thing with all of the scenes and the marvel logo comes i was actually
1: really surprised about that yeah
0: not once do they actually play the avengers theme and you know not to bring in another franchise but we just got done watching thor you know just about a week ago that was interesting because it was still the avengers theme but just like rock and rollized, which i was like i literally screamed that was amazing so it's so cool how they've gotten away from just being like like it's great but like let's I miss it but let's personalize it for the characters like sure we don't have to do it you know every time I think yes it has a very specific like I tear up every time I hear it I get very emotional it's literally my ringtone But I love the way at the same time I feel like I love the way that they're able to play with it and be a little more or show a character's like specific culture. You know, we saw it change for Kamala. We saw it change for Moon Knight. We saw it change, you know, as we're exploring different cultures and things. It's not just the theme song, it's also songs from that culture, and I think that's really cool. I I think that It's really good representation, and I like that a lot. So, yes, I love the Avengers theme song. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, I get emotional every time, no matter what. But I don't mind the variations, and in this case, I really liked the choice to make it a different song every week. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I just sort of wish we had it,
1: like, once Just because for me, it is, even if it was in, like, the very first episode, just because for me, it's, like, something very important to just kind of hear it. It's such a—I mean, like, we wouldn't start watching a Marvel movie or a Marvel show and not have that opening Marvel of where all the heroes are being shown and all that, you know, like— you wouldn't not have that. So like for me, I do miss because it also makes them feel a little less special when they change them all the time. That's fair. I will recall, I think one of the first changes to that theme song, the first time it wasn't, might have been in Loki when they had that really, like they had all everybody talking.
0: They also had that song by, oh my gosh, Kaylee Kyoko. It's on my running playlist. I love that song. No, yeah, but... Like, that wasn't loki right yeah no that was loki because we thought the multiverse was open yeah where they did a bunch
1: of quotes yeah okay so that was one of the first time that was super powerful to me because i mean i think it also happened in infinity war and that's how infinity war started oh infinity war was the distress
0: call but it wasn't endgame silent i think endgame might have been silent because i think everybody was like oh crap <laughs> yeah it started with the most traumatizing thing that I'd ever seen in my entire life but that's why you knew like something big was going on I mean even in Infinity
1: War when the distress call all you're hearing is we're friendly we're in Asgardian guardianship, please like don't fire on us like we're we're friendly and immediately it set the tone like you were like oh crap they're not even doing like the avengers theme song yeah like <laughs> this is how bad this is gonna be so i will say like that's kind of my perspective of it is that while i really do like you know changing it up a little bit i do i don't want them to do it all the time because i think the ones and the times that they do get to change it are really powerful moments Or or like even with Thor, yeah, they changed it a little bit of still the theme song, like they just made it that rock sequence because, you know, Thor, and that was where they were at with the movie. Um, So I definitely would have like really loved to hear it in Kamala's cultural music backgrounds, how they kind of did it with Thor. I think that would have been really cool. But that's just kind of my two cents on that. I just, you know, preference.
0: Here's a thought for you. What if they didn't play the Avengers song for her because she's not an Avenger yet? Yeah, but neither is Moon Knight. Yeah, but he's an adult. I just feel like because he's an adult, he counts. (laughs) What was that argument? Well, he's an adult though. (laughs) Not that she counts any less because she's a kid, but like, I don't know. You know what? They made all those jokes about poor Peter being so young. So like, I guess I was thinking like he would be taken more seriously by the Avengers, because he's an adult versus a sixteen-year-old girl. Well, I mean, to be fair, by that logic,
1: Peter wasn't officially made an Avenger until Infinity War, right? So then, Homecoming would also not. All right, make fine. Sense. There's a
0: hole in my logic. Whatever. <laughs> I was just putting something out there. We can ignore it. Gosh, Caitlin. We're gonna ignore it and we're
1: gonna <laughs> move forward.
0: <laughs> but. Let's get into Kamran.
1: Yeah. Because I will not rest until I get a villain origin. And I've gotten the villain origin, in my opinion.
0: Oh, I was going to say the opposite. I think they're going in a very different direction. Oh,
1: see, this is why I'm not going to say the opposite. First off, he had some tipsy-turny moments in this episode where I genuinely thought it was coming.
0: Oh, me too. Me too. But at the end, he does go and he makes his peace with Kamala. He really, you know, I think starts to come to terms with what's happened to his mother he goes and accepts her help he seems to be yes begrudgingly because of the way he's been taught his entire life but he accepts the help of kareem so i'm kind of like i don't know because you know something would have to happen and that's not to say that it won't but something would have to happen between him and kareem because he wants to live
1: so here's my thought process and it's a theory so Okay, first off, the reason I'm backed so strongly that, you know, it's gonna come is obviously because in the comics, he does kind of turn on the wrong side. And actually actively tries to get Kamala to join him and try to manipulate her to, you know, join a, a pretty much an anti,
0: like it's... Well, granted, they're supposed to be inhumans, so... But we'll get to that, because that's a whole conversation. We did not forget that, guys, don't you worry. Oh, yeah, at
1: this point, I can assure you we're on the top three topics. Comrade is the first one, and we've got two more coming, so don't worry. But, you know, there's a whole group he joins that I sent, I believe is based off the idea of, like, they don't like non-Inhumans, I believe, is the aspect. So it's kind of like Magneto in the in the 1X-Men, where he's like, everybody who's not mutants suck, and we should get rid of them. Yeah. Sort of that idea. So first off, my idea of lies and all that. But two, he has the veil inside of him, which is what's giving him his powers. And we clearly saw in this episode, you know, he has a lot and a much harder time controlling it than Kamala had with hers. Which is why I strongly don't believe that he is the, and I say this for, with like, a hard way to explain it, but I don't think he has powers. I more so think the veil is just inside of him, if that makes sense. And I, I say this because I truly think, I mean, he was in, in literal pain Yeah. during all of this. So I actually, yeah, was, that's why I was, it was kind of confirming in my brain that, I think, and this was kind of a theory I walked out of last week with, that I almost feel confirmed my in my brain that the veil is going to be a very important plot point moving forward, especially in his storyline, because I think there's a level of corruption that it's going to do to him.
0: Kind of like the dark hold to Wanda.
1: Yes, very much like that. I just think with how the veil was kind of described to us, and how you know, obviously, it's the doorway to the the nor dimension. And even just what it did to, you know, uh, his mother and one of the other clandestines. I just, I were meant to look at it as a very evil entity. And so the way that it seemingly was almost fighting, almost like Venom, you know, like the idea of Venom. A symbiote. Yes, it was like fighting its host for control, essentially. So I I feel like we're supposed to view it as that almost like a living being or a living thing. And I feel like that'll be a big part of Kamran's story moving forward. And I think that's where we'll see the villain origin part of him come is that he can't control the power inside of him because I think the power is essentially a thing trying to control him.
0: I actually think that makes a lot of sense. You know, now that you've explained that, I think my perspective was that, and I think even considering your theory, it still holds true. Kamran himself is not evil. But I think what is going to happen, and I really like your theory, is the idea that, like, the veil has its own desires, its own goal. I think even when you see Kamran in the schoolyard, and he does that thing where he kind of, like, pulsates, and the power pulsates out of him. Yeah. And then it, like, grows out of him, like, almost like a plant. Like, it's expanding. Like, the veil is continuing to expand through him exactly so i think he's gonna have to spend a lot of time learning how to keep it in not not keep it inside but how to manipulate it without it using him to your point and i don't know now that you say that i don't know that he's gonna win that battle
1: well and i mean to be fair the veil is still a doorway and i mean all his mother did was transfer it to him what's to say he does not still have essentially the doorway to the nor dimension inside of him i mean keep in mind kamala's power the she was even told the reason it looks that way is because that is what the nor dimension looks like she's literally pulling from it and so if i walked into the nor dimension i would see it would be purpley and bluey and a little pinky and i'd see all that you know (laughs) i don't know like taylor's laughing at me but it's (laughs) it's the colors (laughs) but i think what's interesting is his is the color of the veil which means once again it highlights he is not pulling from the nor dimension itself but from the veil which is a doorway and so i'm i'm pretty intrigued by what that could mean
0: yeah i mean i think that's a really smart observation i just don't understand why his mother did what she did like She needed to close it, yeah, but she basically, like, resigned her son to a life of pain and struggle. Well, that's
1: sort of the other reason and the final reason for me that I really think that there's going to be more to that is, too, because at the end of the day, his mother was determined to have that veil opened.
0: So you think she manipulated Kamala into thinking that she was closing it, but all she did was just move it over? Transfer it to her son, who she would believe would eventually open it again. Ah. That sly lady.
1: But I mean, come on, look at her. Throughout the entire series, honestly, the only thing that she taught me was that she'll manipulate anybody to get what she desires. Including her son. Yeah, like I never saw a single redeeming quality. I mean, she literally abandoned Comran because she needed to get to the bangle. So at the end of the day for me, I don't take her last action lightly at all or, or as any sort of heroic thing or any sort of sacrifice. I I truly see it as there's more to it. I'm sorry, but whatever she did was super weird to me. I mean, I still don't really understand how just whispering his name <laughs> closed it and then caused it to, like, appear next to him and, like, absorb itself into him. So I I think, you know, this woman's been alive for how long? She's been trying to open this for how long? She knew in my opinion, because she also knew exactly how to do it. I mean, why is somebody who's trying to open the dimension so aware of how to close it? I just think it was a backup plan.
0: I think that's fair. He's definitely an interesting character that I'm looking forward to seeing again. There's a lot of story to be told with him, and I really hope that when we see him again, he's not just automatically the villain. I hope that we get to see his time with the Red Daggers, I hope we get to see his descent into villainy or his loss of control. So don't do
1: what they did in M.O.M. to Wanda.
0: Exactly. I really hope that they, you know, I, I've said this a million times, but I think Kevin is really good about listening to the fans. We complained about Bro Thor. Well, we didn't just see him, regular Chris Hemsworth, we saw him work to get himself back. Things like that, you know, or the way that they treat mental health, they were much more delicate in Moon Knight than they treated mental health in Endgame so I think that they've been very receptive to how audiences feel and the audience in general not obviously not everyone feels this way but was you know very critical about Wanda's transformation between the end of WandaVision and of course MOM so I I'm hoping and I think there's a good chance they'll learn from that so that we'll actually get to see Kamran make that transition or lose that control versus opening up into a ms marvel feature film or a ms marvel season two and all of a sudden comron's a bad guy and you know wants to hurt kamala or wants to manipulate her or whatever
1: yeah 100 i i definitely agree there and and i'm hoping that it's done extremely well because it also would be such a slap in the face to end it one way which is how I felt about One division, essentially.
0: Yeah, true. Um,
1: and then, you know, we start off and we don't really get a breather, and it's completely a different version of the, the character. But before we get into the two big things, I just want to briefly mention, not not needed for a whole conversation, but it would be poorly on both of our parts if we don't bring it up, that her name comes from her actual name, Kamala and Miss Marvel, obviously. I and... I just thought that was powerful because I, I actually was sitting there the whole time. And I was like, she's still being called nightly. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, waiting for
0: it. I was like, when are we going to get the real name? Yeah, and, and her dad
1: giving her... And I thought, okay, I thought her dad being the one to do it was really important because I think we've seen the journey with her mother.
0: And her mother gave her the costume. So in many ways, she is the result of both of her parents' investment and support. Exactly. And I mean, we've gotten a lot of her story
1: and progression with her mother and her their relationship. So I thought it was really important for her dad to be the one to say, you know you know, your name? means Marvel, and you were always our m- little Miss Marvel. So I thought that was really powerful, and like I said, that would be poor on us not to at least bring it up, but let's first talk about the interaction with Bruno, since that happens before the very last piece, anyway. Mm-hmm. And pretty much him being like, ha ha, you have a mutation, genes. And in that moment, I fell out of my chair, and was about to cry because I was very upset.
0: I have so many thoughts about this because I jumped, I screamed, I freaked out. I, my thoughts were going a mile a minute. So I am really of two camps right now because truthfully, I literally finished watching it 10 minutes before we got on this call. So I haven't had time to sit with it and think about what it really means, tap the internet, see how the internet's feeling about it and what you know, the community is really saying, but this can really be read two ways. I think in one way, this might be the first time the word mutant has ever been used in the MCU. I think it was hinted at in WandaVision, but the word mutant never has been said before. Because they actually have not well, had-
1: technically it wasn't either. This was mutation.
0: But still, still, <laughs> that like any word with mutant, they actually, I don't believe were even allowed to say until the Fox acquisition in 2019. So that's really, really big. So on one hand, I'm like, holy crap, this is a really big deal. Obviously that leads into the X-Men. That opens so many doors, right? The other thing that I'm thinking then is, well, she's not an X-Man. In the comics. So I'm like, you're made her a gin, and now you're making her an X-Man, but then I had a thought and I was like, no no no, I refuse. I straight-up refuse to give up on my Inhumans theory. Blue arm, I have feelings. Comic book accuracy, I have feelings. An Inhuman is also a mutation. They have a specific gene that is activated by Terrigen. So this does not take inhuman off the table. I think there's actually a lot of conversations about what is really the difference between a mutant and an inhuman. The only difference in my mind, and this is coming from someone who, you know, has not done a ton of research, but knows the general concept of both. It's just that the Inhumans were specifically created by the Cree, whereas the mutants just happen kind of naturally as part of human evolution. One, aren't the Inhumans essentially, don't they need to be
1: exposed to the Terrigen gas?
0: Exactly. They need to be within range or, you know, to your point, exposed. Somehow be around Terrigen gas or crystals or mist, whatever form it takes. Uh, Yeah. In order to change. So... I'm not taking Inhuman off the table. I think in many ways, it's actually more likely now. I think that the Bangle, as we thought, if it's, think about it this way, if it's something from the Nora dimension, and the Nora dimension caused that Terra, terigen- what we thought was a pterogenesis to Kamran's mother, then that could very well have some sort of pterogen within it. So that could be what's activating, you know, she obviously didn't go through teragenesis because I think that would have been something we would have seen, but, you know, there might be something that, there's a, a way that it's harnessing that gene that it may be not a full teragenesis. I don't know, that's something that we definitely need to talk about, or at least learn more about, because I think at this point there's not much that we're going to find out, because obviously the show's over, but... I say all this to say, Inhumans very much still on the table. I really hope they don't make her a mutant in like the X-Men sense. I feel a lot of feelings about this.
1: We took this very differently. Because as soon as they said it, we've learned this lesson before. Marvel doesn't make mistakes. And I think while you can argue that mutants and Inhumans are very similar, there's a reason they're two different names. And one of them is literally called mutants and one of them is called an inhuman. So I immediately, as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, they're going to connect her to the mutants.
0: Yeah. I mean, yes, that was my first thought, but I didn't like it. So I thought of a second thought that made me less annoyed. Well, but here's the thing.
1: They've had the opportunities to even hint at the inhumans. I mean, what they did in what, like episode two with him saying that it was his her genetic makeup? was all we needed yeah. to kind of be like hey we can run with this as an inhumans thing possibly down the road the problem is is he literally bruno himself backstepped and was like no dude you have like a mutation in your cells that that is what it comes down to is i don't look at that as a mistake and i don't look at that as just something being thrown out there if they're gonna say it they're saying it for the sake of they're they're talking about mutants and mutants have been something on our radar for a lot longer than in humans because in humans tried to happen it was a very big failure and it's been avoided like the plague since and that was a big discussion with you know miss marvel coming onto the table like what was going to happen and they did everything in their power to avoid i mean we want to throw our theories out there that You know, maybe the bangle had the Terrigen mist in it or, you know, the Noor dimension has something to do with the Kree and the Terrigen there and whatever. Okay, we can throw all those theories out there. They're all theories at the end of the day. The facts that we've been given is, unfortunately, I think they're leaning towards making her a mutant. What that means? Who knows? That is essentially why I just, like, fell out of my chair crying because I was like, oh, so and we're kind of avoiding her actual origin in the sense of the inhuman half and now we might be making her something she's blatantly just not to be fair we've done it before i mean there there's been members of the avengers well quote-unquote avengers that have kind of been coming and going that are not necessarily like super known avengers or they've been in like one issue of event of like an avengers group and then you know they're a big part of the mcu so there's been accommodations before i don't know at this point I'm just I'm gonna take it for what it is until we would get anything else because I mean there's really nothing else that I don't look at that as an inhumans thing.
0: I totally hear what you're saying.
1: You just don't like it.
0: No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just so frustrated by it because alright, right now I I think she's probably one of the most popular inhumans, I would have to guess. You know, she's a very very popular in the comics. She's probably one of the more recognizable in humans, I would say. Outside of probably the royal family. So I just to take her origin story and completely change it. Like, it would be one thing if they like made her a a djinn and like that was kind of it. Like, that's a little bit more obscure. Okay, so you're gonna take her from an inhuman to something more obscure, but to make her something as high profile as a mutant when the actual mutants are coming and the fact that you don't give that first chance to talk about the mutant gene, and the- Not to mention
1: when they hinted at it in WandaVision with an actual mutant.
0: Exactly. To me, just like, you had one shot to bring these guys in the right way for the first time, and you blew it.
1: Listen, I hear you, but I read that I, right- And like, listen, I love thinking of theories, but I can't back theories that I just think right now don't make a lot of sense. And I don't see them using the word mutation, and- because they literally backtracked from the initial, oh, it was just something in your genes that the bangle unlocked. Which literally, by definition, could have been the Terrigen mist and, and her having the, the, the inhuman gene. But, you know, they quite literally backed away from that ledge and said, no mutation in your genes. I, I, and so I look at the facts on that one, and I just have to accept that I think they might be taking her down that road.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, Caitlin, when he pause. I swear to God, I literally said, inhuman. Like, you're almost inhuman. That's all he had to say.
1: I thought that was also coming, yeah.
0: Yeah, or even, you're not quite human. That's all he had to say. To me, there you go. But instead, he said the word, and he said the word to a non-mutant. But that is why
1: I wholeheartedly can't back that I think that the inhu- that you can use those interchangeably, and that you can be like, oh, they're very similar. Because I think if the point was for them to say and open up the inhuman aspect, they would not have used mutations because the only time that we look at something and we're like, oh, a mutation, we think of mutants and we therefore think of X-Men. Like, I don't think that you can argue that those are definitely something that could maybe be interchangeable.
0: I know. I just I am so struggling with wrapping my head around the fact that they would use that word to a character who's so clearly not a mutant in that sense. I just, why would you ever do that? Why? I mean, I wholeheartedly hear your 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 anger, man,
1: and I get it. But we're just we're taking what we can and we take it in stride. And let's get your mind off of it because we got Carol freaking Danvers in the end credit scene. Let's talk about that. What happened? What the heck? No, actually, I know what happened. Lay it on me. We've already seen the bangle be used before to open now another dimension, the nor dimension, because the bangle opened it, and to also time travel. Mm-hmm. So the bangle has more than just what Kamala's is using the abilities for.
0: I just had a really big thought, and it actually goes off of something you said last episode. You mentioned how, and I'm never going to let this go, you mentioned how Shang-Chi's rings each have a specific power yeah well if they have a sister bangle wouldn't it make sense the different parts of the bangle also have specific powers such as interdimensional travel such as time travel such as interspace travel is that considered interstellar i don't know but space travel hmm i don't know just a thought
1: well Thank you, because that's where I was going. (laughs) You're welcome. So I guess I don't need to say that. But essentially, my point being is, you know, we've clearly already seen it be used to to travel between other things. So I'm intrigued by we know how it went about. Not that we didn't see the bangle glow and then suddenly Kamala disappeared. But we get why for the most part of like that aspect. My question is, why suddenly? And my other question to back that up is, I was expecting, well, first off, can we talk about how Brie Larson just, like, didn't look like Captain Marvel? Because for some reason, when she, like, popped in, I was like, who's this cosplayer?
0: Yeah, it was very weird. What was she wearing? I don't know. She Because she
1: wasn't wearing her, like, she also looked really tiny suddenly. Like, she just looked much
0: smaller than her usual Miss Marvel-like demeanor. So I was like- I straight up was like, did Kamala get somehow placed into- like Captain Marvel's body because even the way she was acting she was like not like she had so much more okay this is gonna sound really terrible but she had so much more energy than she normally does when she's just being herself Cause which is
1: ironic because she's like literally full of energy
0: yeah but like we've all complained about it she's so like she plays it so straight you know everything she's like never really like even when she's like welcoming Shang-Chi to the Avenger. She's like, welcome, you're an Avenger now. Just, like, completely dead <laughs> Like, come on, guys, you know, it's true. And she was, like, moving around and, like, energetic, and then she was like, oh, no. And she, I was like, she emotes? She knows how to, like, do things? <laughs> yeah,
1: something just felt really off about her. Feels like I said, I mean, like, Captain Marvel's a presence in a room. Yeah. Even when she's not emoting very much. I mean, I think very strongly of Endgame. And when she's standing there and her and Thor kind of have the little bit of a face off because, you know, you've got two of the most powerful people in the same room. Because, you know, Wanda was dusted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that moves
0: Thor up naturally to number two. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know if she was number... It doesn't matter if she was two, even if she was one... Carol moves up to one. Oh,
1: oh, I see your argument. Okay, I don't math. Anyway, <laughs> she just, she's such a presence. And whether you like her or not, you know, she's a presence for for being quiet. You know, she is that, like, almost deadly presence because she's so powerful. She doesn't need to be the loudest voice in the room. And so it was really weird because she kind of appeared. And it took me a second to really be like, oh, hi. And then it was just like, why does she, it, it, it like panned out. And I really saw her and I was like, Oh, that doesn't you know, why does that not look like her right? Like why it almost like you just pasted Brie Larson's head on like a body. I have a thought. Okay.
0: It goes back to a theory you had. What if that wasn't our Captain Marvel? What if that was a scroll I'm not talking multiverse, I refuse today. I'm just not saying the words. What if it was a scroll? Fair. It would explain the personality changes. It wouldn't really explain the body changes because I agree she looked a lot smaller. Like, Brie Larson, you've seen the videos and the photos of her in the gym. Like, my girl's jacked.
1: Yeah. I mean, even look at how she holds herself in all the other Captain Marvel, like, suits and stuff.
0: Yeah, she's well-built. She's very, you know, strong-looking. But she's also, to your point, she cuts an imposing figure. And this, not only did she physically look smaller, but she physically acted smaller. And so that, to me, I'm like, maybe it's someone, like, a Skrull who doesn't have the same kind of imposing, like personality because though the scroll might look like her it does not have her powers therefore does not act like it has her powers if that makes sense.
1: I don't disagree unfortunately you opened something that I'm thinking about which is the fact that she could be from a different universe.
0: No I didn't want to say that it just came out wrong.
1: Because the thing is is you know whatever putting aside her kind of like posture and everything to that Even with you saying how she was acting, she was acting very differently than how we've seen her act before in pretty much literally everything. (laughs) Like, there's not a single moment where I think we've really seen, even, I mean, when when Carol was interacting with, not Monica, Monica's mother, whose name always escapes me because they're both M's. Maria. Maria, thank you. You know, she still doesn't quite, like, she doesn't act the way we saw her acting. It was very off. And it was weird. But putting past all of that, because I don't want to think about her being possibly (laughs) an interdimensional being from somewhere else or whatnot. Why did she appear? Because I really did expect to see, you know, almost like a matching piece of jewelry on her or something that connected the two. Because that is what I expected. I mean, they swapped places is essentially what I'm getting from it all. So how did, I think it was strange that the bangle just sort of was like, Time to act up. And then it was like, let me
0: just bring Carol Danvers here. <laughs> I have a thought. Okay. It's more than I have. It's kind of far-fetched, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it anyway. Okay. So I think at one point we've talked about how one thing or another was reminiscent of when Loki was opening the portal with the space stone in the Avengers. Like I'm talking 2012. Mm-hmm. And you know, Hawkeye explains to Fury, well director well boss it's it's, it's a, a door. door maybe they're just opening it from the other side well what if that wasn't the bangle acting up but just being opened from the other side
1: but that's why i was thrown off because she didn't come in with anything on her
0: it doesn't necessarily need to be another piece of jewel. like what if there's just something that at like a place or an incantation or i don't know that activates
1: the doorway see if we're saying actually going off of this a little bit if we're going off of the possibility that shang chi's rings are possibly the sister i would back up that that's a possibility if it was the rings because the rings would be calling to its other half you know
0: i thought about that but then i thought about the calendar and the fact that there's not another shang chi appearance set before the marbles. And clearly they have to address this in the marbles because that's when they said she's coming back. Yeah, and I mean, not really even that.
1: I Where we left off with Shang-Chi is not exactly somewhere I would be like, oh yeah, Carol had the
0: rings. I mean, Carol wasn't even in the room physically, which is why I was like, ugh. No, like, that's my point though. He'd need to have another movie in order for this to happen. And it's not even slated yet. Yeah. So it's clearly not happening. Because I too was thinking about this. You know, how can unless- we- unless
1: they the rings aren't the sister.
0: No. <laughs> yes. No. Because that would make a
1: lot of sense. If there was something similar to- because, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, you could have the rings and then be in a, in the area of the ten rings, but there might just be a lot of- and I said this before, interdimensional jewelry, you know, floating around out there, so- I mean, I guess it does make sense, and I've been thinking this the whole show, to be fair, that I was like, it would be kind of weird, and this is just a total, like, me point of view, but I was always like, it'd be kind of weird if the, like, bracelet sisters were rings.
0: But they're not rings in the sense of, like, let me wear ten rings on my fingers, they're like bangles, almost. Yeah,
1: Although they should have been. But also, yeah, I get that. But I also was like, you know. But maybe that was an intentional choice. Yeah, I guess. But I just, I mean, also keep in mind the rings are never worn on one hand. There's ten of them. So they naturally have to be worn on both hands. You're not going to wear one up your entire arm. So, like, keeping this in mind, a matching set of bracelets would make a lot of sense. Because they're the way that the bracelets look, they'd be, they'd make sense on your, they look like pieces of armor. So, you'd put a second one on. Like a gauntlet. Yeah. Which is why I immediately like, I've been thinking that fact because as much, and obviously we've had the connection to Shang-Chi. So, I think there's a deeper background to all of these pieces of jewelry. But I do think that now we have to consider there being genuinely a second bangle out there.
0: I thought we had one thing that I'm not going to go back on what we said at the beginning. I did love this episode. I think the end credit scenes were very exciting, but they complicated a lot of things for me that as we're talking through them, I want more. Like, I'm frustrated, not because I didn't like it, but because I need to know more. And knowing that actually we're on a hiatus until mid-August, so I guess that's only really like four weeks, but it feels like a lifetime from now. Well,
1: we've been really busy since like March.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we have. (laughs) But thinking about that, we're not going to get anything else. And realistically, let's think about this. Is She-Hulk going to actively tie into this? I don't think so. I think if any, not to get into that, but I think if it's going to tie into anything, it'll be like Daredevil because they're actually friends in the comic. I mean,
1: listen, I can't say it can't.
0: No, can't Because
1: to be fair, Bruce is going to be in it and Bruce has a connection to the whole Shang-Chi thing. So I can't, we can't write any of this off.
0: Yeah, I guess I just feel like of all the things, you know, property-wise, I don't necessarily think that that's yeah, the most likely. This will be
1: for the predictions episode. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying in
0: relation to anything related to Ms. Marvel, I don't see it happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I mean, what I, all I know is at this point, obviously we know the Marvel's is next. I'm actually genuinely shocked we got a Carol and not a Monica, I'm not gonna lie about that, but I will say... What will be intriguing is I'll actually be quite upset if the Marvels doesn't start off with us having just a good old Brie Larson walking down the steps and talking to Kamala's family like, "Hey, don't know where I am. What is going on?" Yeah, because that's what I need. Because now where the heck did Kamala go? No one
0: knows. On the ship with Fury. If that's where she was. That I'm just saying. That's my guess. Right now, if I had to, if I had to make a prediction, that's what I would say. That's like
1: extremely specific in my opinion to somebody who literally travels the universe which is why i immediately am like i'm not even going to make a prediction on that because i genuinely couldn't tell you where i think captain marvel is on any day given
0: yeah I just think of the locations that we've seen in the MCU if I had to pick one it would be that
1: yes but isn't Monica going up to the ship yeah that wasn't that where she was left off in WandaVision
0: okay let's let's think about this timeline wise WandaVision happens what a week after the event after the blip right Monica goes there that lasts about a week 10 days Monica goes there after the events WandaVision This is clearly quite a bit after the blip. Scott's gone out and done all his podcast interviews. There are YouTube videos about it. Like, the whole world knows what happens. This is no longer fresh recovery from the blip. In fact, the world looks very similar to a world we knew before the snap. So, to me, this is at least six months minimum to a year later. That doesn't mean that Monica's still up there. I mean, that's fair. I guess I just... It's hard
1: because we're so put behind on where the timeline is that I really am not entirely sure. Yeah. And honestly, when I saw Kamala start zipping around a little bit, I thought she was
0: going into the quantum realm. Don't say those words to me.
1: But I I did if I didn't know that the Marvels was next and then, you know, Brie Larson comes walking out of the closet. But, I mean, I truly was, like, very thrown off because that is kind of what I saw happening. Not so much you know, Captain Marvel disappearing in her bedroom.
0: I also, not to be this person, but we got a Brie Larson cameo and she didn't actually interact with Ms. Marvel at all. Yeah. Like, it's her hero. And instead of interacting with one another, she replaced her. Not like replaced her, but like, you know what I mean? But they, swapped. they swapped. So it's like, all right, well, I was kind of looking forward to seeing them together. And even though you gave me Brie Larson, that's not really... The same as putting them in the same room.
1: Yeah, I I I also agree with that, especially because then we didn't even see her like walk downstairs. I think the icing on the cake would have been if she walked out and ran into her mother or something, and then she's like, "Where am I?" Yeah, or something. Or her mother's like, "Wait, you're her, you're something." You know, like there's some sort of like final line that just kind of solidifies that we just something big just happened because it felt almost incomplete. Yeah, <laughs> that she just kind of like showed up was shocked to see a bunch of pictures of her, and was just like, oh god.
0: Yeah, like there definitely should have been at least 45 seconds to two minutes of footage to complete that and give me just a little bit more information or set me a little bit closer on a direction, and then we can go. That's fine.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, unfortunately, what this has left us with is just see you guys when we talk about the marvels in about a year <laughs>
0: yeah truly i mean it's the i didn't realize it was got pushed to the november release yeah because it was originally the february release it went from february to november
1: no i do believe it was pushed at one point to the middle yeah release date as well and then got pushed yeah, yeah. but um that might have to be too due to the fact that secret invasion they're shooting that I, there might be things that are well, there are definitely things connected in between the two of them. And I mean, we did just get Ms Marvel. I'm sure with you know everything that went into reshoots with this eventually at one point and everything else, they had they maybe decide they wished to change some things.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's totally fair. I just think to your point, like that's a long time. The good news is, I think you know, this isn't the last piece of setup for that movie. We're not gonna see Ms Marvel again until the Marvels. they made that very clear. But to your point, Secret Invasion is also going to set the stage for that movie. So we're not going to be coming in completely blind. Because I think at this point, you know, we know literally nothing. We don't even have a synopsis about the movie. What it's going to be about. We just know three people that are going to be in it. And it's probably going to have to do with Scrolls and Kree because it's Captain Marvel. And that's about it. Oh, and Zawe Ashton is playing the villain who is at this point unnamed. To my knowledge. So... What else do we got? Not much in terms of like information. So I am happy that we're going to get a few more foundational pieces between now and then. And who the heck knows, maybe Mania will also play a role or have an end credit scene before, you know, we see that to kind of set that movie up. Because to your point, that's where Ms. Marvel is going. To the big screen. She's awesome. So she deserves it. I love this character. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. I have one tiny little thing that I want to point out before we call it a day and that is just one little sentence the fact that she said the word biggin, I literally lost my mind that is her thing and the fact that they worked it in made me so happy
1: okay if you're gonna have one brief thing I'm just gonna say because we didn't really get a chance to talk too much about it I don't think I love how they're depicting her powers that is my only one thing that I wasn't like in love with I don't know why they just kind of made it look funny to me oh I thought it was okay I, th- I just think she looked weird Maybe I don't know how I would have been pictured her to like do her normal powers. And I know there was a lot of change in that because of, you know, Mr. Fantastic coming and they're kind of like very similar in certain things that they have. But I just think she looked really weird, um, like didn't look right. That's just my two cents. It is what it is.
0: All right. That's it, guys. Those were the closing remarks. The last two things on our respective lists. And that's a close on Ms. Marvel. Hard to think about the fact that seven weeks ago, we sat down with you guys and started talking about predictions. And here we are, last episode. The next time we're going to see this character is in the Marvels, which is, as we just talked about, over a year away. So it's going to be quite a bit until Kamala Khan graces our screens again. But we hope you guys have enjoyed all of our coverage relating to Ms. Marvel. We've enjoyed talking about it every week. Big thank you again to Davis who filled in for those couple weeks for us. It's been a blast. If you are looking forward to our future coverage of any properties coming down the road, you can definitely subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. You can also give us a rating or a review, which just lets us know that, hey, you're enjoying the show and that makes us feel good. You can also check out our blog, give it a follow. We have lots of extra research on there, some extra theories that come to our brains after we've recorded and good context if you're ever looking for a little bit of background on something that happened in the episode. Last but not least, we have our Spotify playlist, one for each of the different shows that we've covered so far on our show, one for the movies, one for our replay series, and one final playlist for all the songs that are in the MCU and are available on Spotify.
1: Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. All the blog and podcast episodes do go up on there, so you can find them right there as soon as they are posted, and you can go ahead and start listening or reading them. And also, you know, we share our theories, and we share other people's theories, and we like to interact with you guys, so definitely pay attention to our Twitter, tweet us your theories, thoughts, whatever, and, you know, you could get a shout-out in our show. But as Taylor said, you know, we're finishing up Ms. Marvel here. This is the last few seconds of the episode, so you know, that's going to be the end of that. Moving forward, we do have a week off. <laughs> that is much appreciated to us because we have been doing double time with Thor and Miss Marvel. And then when we had Moon Knight and MOM at the same time as well, and it's all been kind of running together. So we will be off next week, but we will be back the week after with another episode. So make sure you guys are keeping your eye out for that because Marvel just blew mind. So let's talk about it.